Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 support call. This call happens at this time, which for me is 6.40 in the morning. Mountain time is 7.40. Texas time is 8.40. And if you're Michigan or East Coast time, it will be 9.40 in the morning. Thrilled that you're able to join us. If you ever miss any of these calls, you can pick them up on sound, S-O-U-N-D, cloud, C-L-O-U-D, put in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and TR90, and these calls will pop up. They're now archived back nine plus years. The last several months not only have the date and the name of the host, but also the topic of what was um, shared during the call. With that being said, for those of you that don't know who I am, I'm Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon. Welcome you to this beautiful December 21st morning. Here we have, right now it's not raining, but we're supposed to be having rain and it's quite chilly outside, being that it's 41 degrees. So that TR90 program, when you're first getting started, is that one really good clean, lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein at at least three of those meals. Um, If you're a larger person, you'll probably either need to add a fourth meal with that 30 grams of protein or making sure to increase the grams of protein for the other three meals. Staying hydrated is another key. It helps clear toxins out of your system, does a multitude of various different things. And the current thinking is at least one ounce of water for every two pounds you weigh. So, for example, if you weigh 100 pounds, you should at a minimum be drinking 50 ounces of water daily. And like I said, it does clear out toxins, um, keeps your skin moisturized. It does a a whole host of various different things. Exercise, 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week. And if you do more than that, that's absolutely fabulous. Once you get that habit, it is a great habit to have and to stick with. And if you listen to Frank probably tomorrow, he'll probably tell you that there are on about 1,300 and I want to say like about 45 days hashtag no days off, and he he and his wife started it out as a 30-day challenge back a few years, and now um, they do some form of exercise every single day. With that being said, seven to nine hours of rest daily is or sleep is really important. Your body, while it's sleeping and resting, it actually is clearing out toxins while you sleep. It's resetting various different things. Um, and you really do need it in order to to be healthy and to really make um, good choices. The other thing is to have seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables. Um, The micronutrients, the macronutrients, and the fiber are all important things in with those fruits and vegetables, and that's another reason why it's a key part of this program. So with that being said, take your supplements 15 to 20 minutes before your meal. 
um, that helps make sure that they're on board and can work synergistically with the food when it, the food starts reaching your stomach. And that's part of the reason they want you to take it 15 to 20 minutes beforehand. If you're not able to take it beforehand, take it with your meal. It'll still work. It just won't be quite as effective as it would be if you were taking it 15 to 20 minutes ahead of time. And with that being said, as I said, I come to you with, um, out of Portland. I have a huge interest in health and nutrition, and I'm an educator by trade. And so I'm always looking for things to share with you that will help support that TR90 lifestyle. And today I'm sharing some information with you out of a book that's called Fat Chance, Beating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Food, Obesity, and Disease. It's written by Robert H. Lustig, L-U-S-T-I-G, M-D, and L-S-M. And yesterday I um, was sharing another part out of the micronutrients, home run or hyperbole. Well, here we are. We're getting into the next portion of this. Face it, we've got, we got spoiled by previous successes. All the classic vitamins work to cure their respective nutritional deficiencies, even if they are supplied in pill form. Perhaps because the only thing that's wrong is the undernutrition, the vitamin deficiency itself. But metabolic syndrome is far more complicated. Treating overnutrition is as much is a much tougher nut to crack. Replacing something that's missing is a whole lot easier than taking away something that's in excess. Kind of like pudding. You can always put it back on the stove, but once it's overcooked, you might as well throw it away. There are five theories as to why. One, various items added during the processing of food, such as sugar and other preservatives, are even more toxic than we think. Something that that ubiquitous and potential may just dwarf the beneficial effects of any nutritional supplement. Number two, the processing of food removes something even more valuable than the micronutrients, which remains unreplaced. Could there be something else in real food that is missing in the processed food? Could it be the fiber itself? Could fiber be the real antidote to metabolic syndrome while everything else is just window dressing? Hmm. Number three, the simple act of food processing removes the food's native micronutrients just as the fiber is stripped. After all, many micronutrients travel with the fiber. Recall the berry-berry story? Well, it was polished rice stripped of its fiber that lost its native vitamin B1. Flavonoids, folate, and other micronutrients are decimated by food processing. While it's enticing to think that we can put them back with a pill, the data support that once food is biologically dead that's in quote, biologically is in quotations, it's unlikely that you can revive it with a sprinkling of a nutraceutical. Number four, some antioxidants 
when furnished in high supply, are instead oxidants, performing the opposite effect. The perfect example of this is iron. Iron is needed to make all the scavenger enzymes work, but too much iron brings its own level of oxidation. It's called rust, which, like the browning reaction, occurs inside you as well. And number five, nutraceutical supplements aren't subject to the same rigorous quality control standards as pharmaceuticals. That is, unless they're new skin ones. The Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act of 1994, passed by Congress, virtually assured the nutraceutical industry a free pass on demonstrating both safety and efficacy of their products. In 2008, the IOM crafted lower limits for these substances, but not no tolerable upper intake limits, which means that companies don't have to assure potency. Can you assure consistency from one batch to the next? Can you even assure that the native plant was accurately identified and put in the correct supplement? And does consuming 1,000% of your USDA recommended daily allowance of vitamin C have any demonstrable effects on fighting the common cold? The only way that the industry has gotten away with this so far is that the FDA does not regulate them. That's the one thing about our 6S process that we do, the company has standards and they are very rigorous even about if something does not meet their standards, it gets shipped back. One thing's for sure that the one that 123.9 billion in 2008, nutraceutical industry, accounting for 6% of all food dollars, is a house of cards. Better to go with the tried and true answer to combat metabolic syndrome. We know it works. It has even more positive effects on our body, bodies, and it's a lot cheaper. And it tastes better. So what is this magic bullet? Unfortunately, it's not a new liver. Rather, it's called real food. So, uh, environmental obesogens. In 1990, no U.S. state had an obesity rate higher than 14%. In just 20 years, not one state is absolved from having a population with a lower obesity rate than 20%. 36 states have a prevalence of 25% or more. These numbers continue to climb with no signs of abating. Perhaps the most bizarre thing about the obesity pandemic is that it's spreading over time. To think that this national trend is purely a mass alteration in behavioral change state by state is to ignore the pattern of this pandemic. Rather, it is more akin to an infectious disease, a contagion, or some other mass environmental exposure. But can what can that affect and that sort of reach? So the obesity puberty dilemma. 
One of the issues that directed attention to childhood obesity epidemic and the possibility of some grand overwhelming exposure is the fact that girls have been starting puberty at increasingly younger rates. Understandably, this is causing parents undue stress. Studies have demonstrated that across ethnicities, girls are exhibiting breast development as young as seven years old. Caucasians are 10% of that. African Americans are 23%, and Latinos are 15% of that. You add all three of those up. That is uh, 38% are actually developing much younger. Many studies have corroborated the finding of earlier onset of puberty in girls, but not in boys. We don't know why. Coinciding with the epidemic of early breast development in girls is the epidemic of obesity. Could the two be related? Could it be that the breast development and perhaps also obesity is not being caused by the ovary, which is true puberty, but rather some estrogen exposure? For hundreds of years, the timing of puberty in girls has been advancing earlier and earlier. This advancement has been attributed to improved nutrition and increased weight and fat at younger ages. Higher BMI clearly predicts earlier menarche, which suggests that obesity may be the culprit of the recent early onset of puberty. Furthermore, we know that children who constantly exercise vigorously and don't gain weight, such as gymnasts and ballet dancers, many of whom also suffer from eating disorders, won't enter puberty at all until they slow down. In addition, their growth is often stunted, and this is a perfect example of how the hormone leptin is a permissive factor in the onset and progression of puberty. You have to gain a certain amount of fat to generate the leptin needed to start the process. No leptin, no puberty. Due to all this obesity, leptin levels are increasing at younger level ages, but this puberty really occurs as early as age seven or not. We're not, still not sure how to interpret the data because there are two questions that have yet to be answered. The first is the appearance of the breast tissue in girls. Always a true sign. Is that always a true sign of the onset of puberty? Could it just be fat tissue making the breast look bigger? You would have to palpate or feel the breast tissue to be sure. And many of these studies use visual inspection only. Many doctors feel uncomfortable palpating the breasts of young girls. Second, how do we know that the breast development truly means that puberty has begun? This is not always clear because it depends on the source of the estrogen, and we don't always know where the estrogen is coming from. Three sources of estrogen can promote breast development. First, the ovary. When the hypothalamus gets the leptin signal, it can allow the pubertal process to begin. Second, the fat cells which have the enzyme that makes estrogen, the more fat, the more estrogen. This is true in both women and men, hence obese men get man boobs. 
and sometimes need the manner's ear. Third, any chemical in the environment that resembles estrogen, which could induce breast tissue formation and fat storage, a chemical that disrupts the endocrine system, an environmental obesogen. And with that, I think that's a good place for us to stop for today. Tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, but Thursday, I'll be sharing how um, those obesogens creep into our diet. With that, this is Susan Mann for December 21st, 2021, signing out. I'm going to take us off mute so we can say goodbye to each other and you can share any comments you would like. So there we have it, why fiber is really important as part of our things and why we need to make sure that we're getting our plant estrogens from or our estrogens from the right sources and not the wrong sources. Hope you guys are finding this as fascinating as I am. With that being said, tomorrow we will have Frank on and he'll be sharing some wonderful information. And I'll be back on Thursday and I believe Victoria's going to be up on Friday to get our weekend started off with a fabulous meditation. With that being said, if there's no comments, I'm going to actually sign off and let you guys get on with your day. Talk to you soon.